charity because you're giving your time. Yeah. I mean, that was my initial and thought. And then the profit because your time is valuable, I think. Well, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've done it now. I've done it. I've done it. I know. I think, I think something I debated kind of before I even put it up was just like, yeah, how, how can I do this? Can I afford it? Something. I think yeah. doing it with a percentage is more sustainable. Mm-hmm, it is. But because I'm not going to do this like every month, I've decided, nah, screw it. We, we, can, we can outlay that cost. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, that's pretty good of you. That's why I'm late. But apologies for being late. Well, Hello. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. This is, yeah, I've never met someone this way before. This is a first. Never met anyone online. What kind of life have you been living? I've met people <laughs> online. I guess through our path is like Instagram. Yeah. And then a Zoom podcast. It's quite drastic, don't you think? But... That's how I get people. Yeah. <laughs> very good. We just very, very good. Well, yeah, okay. we'll dive right in. I mean, yeah. you may have seen the other ones. You know how I cut, cut together. I usually steal a little bit at the beginning when they don't know I'm recording. And then... <laughs> Very sneaky. Intersect that in. So, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm reading your name on the, the thing at the minute. It says Sam Saint Warrens, but I know just you as Sam Saint because that's yeah. what you are on everything. Um, but for the people who don't know you, can you tell tell me and tell them what do you, what do you do? Sam? What do I do? Um, so I I think I have two hats. Okay. So I'm an artist. Um, and mostly working on private commissions at the moment for people. So they'll come to me with an idea and then I just make it mm-hmm. for them. Um, and it's usually like a high contrast piece in pen um, or paint pen. And it will be a social scene typically. So something very social, mm-hmm. whether that's in bars, like parties like dinner parties, et cetera, that these are very popular at the moment. And I think that's yep. because we are like craving <laughs> that kind that's of interesting. Yeah. Because we're missing it. Um, so it's quite nice to make that for people. So that's one hat. And then the other is I'm a research consultant. Um, so that's, I do that for about one and a half, two days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and gosh, I don't really know how to sum that up other than... <laughs> Um, the last project I worked on was helping a new HIV test launch um, okay. launching next year in the UK. So it really depends on the client, to be honest. So like at one point I could be doing that. Another point I could be doing something, um, you know, helping someone like Vodafone, like launch yeah. a new product. <laughs> like it's really random. It's kind of like, yeah, it's crazy. You're very kind of data versus creative in that sense yeah so i'm not i'm not much of a data gal i so i do like it's called qualitative research um and so i'll do like workshops creative workshops innovation workshops and help get ideas moved along and like better like better designed for like the people it's for okay that's kind of it in a nutshell extend a very interesting noise come from someone's computer i think that was me <laughs> i thought i thought that i sent off all my notifications but that's fine not. we're used to you were used to the little noises I've, I've literally taken a phone call on the podcast before so yeah Have you really <laughs> yeah well i my, my whole theory of kind of doing the podcast is to keep it unedited you know we chat for an hour we we, we chill out and then I, I don't edit so if someone takes a phone call we, we 
take a phone call. If somebody leaves the room, then it's just me sitting on my own. <laughs> and I would just sit on my own for an hour. <laughs> That's incredible. That is amazing. Like, I, so I do a lot of interviews over Zoom like this, mm. and I always do find it a bit weird when people have to tend to their actual lives, like, yeah. on camera. And I feel inappropriate. I'm like, you should have turned your camera off because I'll just be sat there. Just watching. Like, watching and hearing what's going on, and it's really bizarre. Like, one guy I spoke to recently... Um, it was for this HIV project, project mm-hmm. I was on and we were talking like quite seriously about like testing for HIV and like the experience of that um, and like the education and awareness etc and stigma really heavy conversation really great conversation yeah. and then all of a sudden his face just dropped on camera and I was like are you okay and he was like sorry I think my fish is dying <laughs> and I was like oh okay <laughs> Um, well, let's pause the interview, like go and check on your fish. And like he, he took me over to his fish, like obviously I was on his laptop screen and his fish died on camera. Oh, like, that's terrible. We tried to like resuscitate it and. I shouldn't laugh. I laughed. That's ridiculous. It was insane. It was insane. That's, that's incredible. I, don't, I think the most we've had is just kind of the, the classic children walking into a room is a lot of people. Yeah, of you, course. You know, or the overheard shout of yes. you know, such and such. But no, that's, that's, yeah, that's a first. Like fish death on screen. I couldn't believe it. And it was just awful, like, because it was so dragged out and we stopped and we continued the interview again, really serious, really intense, yeah, yeah. strategic. And then he was like, oh God, it's gone upside down again. So over we'd go. And like, it was just happening. Throughout the whole thing. That's, yeah, that's, that's technical difficulties to a new level. Yeah, as a researcher, what do you do? I couldn't just be like, oh, ignore yeah. the fish. Like, we've got business to do. Let, let your fish die. We are clearly yeah. talking about something serious here. <laughs> Honestly, it, it was, it, like, I look back and like, it was quite funny. Yeah. I think he appreciated that it was funny as well, but like, also a little bit stressful. It's a story, isn't it? For, it is a story. For another time. That's, yeah. That's the kind of thing you need on the podcast. <laughs> okay, exactly. The, the intent fish death. I was trying to think, because um, I've I followed your work for a while, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was trying to think how I found you or if you found me um, and how that kind of kind of started because your, your work's very different to a lot of the work I actually follow. Is like it the, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, it kind of stands alone just as like a, a little piece because a lot of the work I've, I follow is very similar to my own work. So it's kind of abstract, usually heavily um, either colored or mm. painterly. Um, the work I do myself is very black and white and, and those kinds of things. But yours uses a very graphic style, mm. as you say, using the kind of like paint, mark, paint markers and stuff like that. And it, it really it, it stands alone. And maybe that's why I follow because it was such a unique idea. Um, yeah. to kind of explore I think that's, I, I can't remember how I came across you which way round it was but I do try and follow accounts that are different to my own style because mm. I and like and people who are just living a very different life to me I, I like to just like have I guess I have fear of missing out I <laughs> just like to like absorb people's lives and people's art and in whatever way that comes and and I, I think I quite actively follow accounts and engage with like people who are very different like their style would be very different to mine mm-hmm. um yeah it's i didn't really think about it too much until i realized i was doing that <laughs> suddenly i'm living vicariously through quite a lot of people yeah i think i do that a lot with um 
kind of accounts in other countries, especially. Mm-hmm. I know I, I follow a lot of like for a while I went through a weird phase of just kind of following people who were living out in like Q8 and different oh, areas like that, but just be like cafe owners. Yeah. Like, okay. Why am I following this cafe owner who I can never visit his cafe, and I don't know. I don't know anything about the drinks he's making, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm, I'm appreciating him. <laughs> I'm appreciating him. I want, to, I want to see more of his life. I really feel that like there's not there doesn't have to be a reason for like every person mm. that you follow and everyone you enjoy their content. Like I think some things just happen really like randomly like I think TikTok for me is a bit like that um I'm avoiding TikTok I I attempted to I was like no it's not for me it's not for me and then I gave in and I did it and and you know I've learned a lot through that huh? and, I, and I and I enjoy content that I would just never seek out so like I'm all for that I'm all for like random stuff coming my way yeah I mean, I don't know how random it is because the algorithm like apparently knows you really well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I like that. I like being surprised and like having random followings and like relationships with people who, you know, you will probably never meet yeah. or ever, you know, see them in real life. But I think that's okay. I think it's yeah. great. I like to find out the little bits which people are hiding. And obviously, especially with online, because you've got, you know, whatever your online persona is whatever you, you're kind of putting out into the world as this is me. And then you meet someone and you, you get talking to them and they mention something just on the fly. And you're like, Hmm, really? That, that <laughs> never have put that okay. in. Um, but th- those are the bits which maybe that's what I'm looking for. Whenever I follow people, I'm looking for the cracks. So. Catch them out. Yeah. Are you going to try and find mine today? Is that like <laughs> <laughs> This is why we're on the podcast today, Sam. I don't know if you realize this was interrogation of, <laughs> No, well, I give up information really easy, so it would be like, what's the (laughs) Easiest podcast ever. (laughs) Honestly, it would be. I'm an open book, like, with a lot of topics. Um, I I enjoy debate, and I, like, yeah, I'm not really one to, to, like, shy away from most things, I think. Apart from, like, you made a really good point, like, on social media, you put out what, like, it's so limited. Like, mine is so limited. I keep... I try to keep a lot of my personal life off of my art Instagram. So I have mm-hmm. my personal Instagram and my art Instagram and I try and keep those really separate. Yeah. Um, but sometimes like uh, it will creep in a it little drifts. bit, but I do have a boundary. I don't know. I've, I'm not sure why it's there. Um, I guess there's a little self-protection in it. There is that yeah. level. I mean, mine's probably completely the opposite. Okay. Like my, I don't have separate Instagram accounts for for anything the only things i have separate things are for things where i'm like i don't want my name on the front of it because it's okay. not about me it's about a different project like null point this is a zine i make but it's a collaborative project so it's not okay. not got me on it um but my my social media is is me is the way i kind of do it um and when it comes to my artwork i feel like i guess from my point of view is i feel like my artwork's better interpreted if you've met me okay that's interesting Would, so the more I can put of myself into it or the more I can kind of adjust that image and that brand view is just go, okay, well, you know, you'll, you'll know a little bit more. So when you look at my work, you go, oh, actually, no, yeah, that makes complete sense. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think like that makes complete sense to me. And it almost feels like your art and your work is just very intertwined with your sense of being and your sense of self. Like, so that makes sense to have it together. Yeah. 
Yeah. But then I think we, I mean, to say styles, we, we have, as we said, we're completely different styles. Yeah. Um, yours is very much a study of people. Mm. You, you draw yes. a lot of social scenes and a lot of, a lot of what I'd say, like restaurant bars and those, those kinds of yeah. things. Did you always do that? Or is that just like something you started doing one day? So, I mean, if you were to talk to me this time last year, mm. I had a very different life. Okay. <laughs> like a very different life. Yeah. I've, this year has been like, sounds a bit cliche, but like actually a big year of transformation. Like mm-hmm. I've completely changed my work life, my, like everything, like it's just been insane. And I, I didn't start art until, I mean, I've always been creative. I did GCSE and like art, product design, blah, blah, blah. It's been in me, like mm-hmm. it's been there, but I neglected it for a really, really long time. So I did psychology at uni in like 2012 Mm -hmm. um and I went straight into like a career like an academic research career and so like anything creative anything arty just like went like all of that just vanished and disappeared for seven years oh wow (laughs) I I did my thing um and like like the burnout was real. Like mm-hmm. last year I had like several episodes of like really bad mental health, really bad burnout. And I just couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. It was, and I, I did everything. I, I went to therapy. I tried like finding a better work-life balance. I worked a lot to try and like overcome this burnout. I was really honest with my employee. Um, and it just something wasn't like something had fundamentally changed. And I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So I, went, I went away for three months. They, they let me go on a sabbatical at the end of last year. So I went, I went away to South America for three months just to give myself headspace to think. Mm-hmm. Because like, when you're, when you're work, when you're operating at a certain level and like, you're always like your brain's full all the time with work, whatever, and just being an adult. Yeah. I don't think you have much space to really like ask yourself what you need and what you want. Mm-hmm. So I needed to like clear the decks. I needed to just like get work off my table yeah. and have some time to myself to figure shit out. Um, and then I came back from my sabbatical, handed in my notice um, in January this year, which was obviously a really bad time. Yeah, not, not the best time to leave employment. It would have been January 2020. <laughs> no, Graham, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't the best timing. And um, obviously could never have predicted. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, they were very understanding. I sort of asked to extend my leaving period because I was like, the world's going to shit. I don't want to leave. I mean, I do, but like not right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they like they put me on furlough, which was really kind. They they extended yeah. leave, they put me on furlough, and then in that time in furlough, I just started like drawing again. Um, and people just like like all it took was like a few people were like, "Oh, I like that," and I was like, "Oh, I'll do more." A little nod of encouragement. To... Yeah, it was, I didn't need much, um, and it just felt really good. And it felt really good to just be doing something that wasn't in a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, cause all of my work at that point was like happening through a screen. <laughs> like yeah. that is, it was just nice to like take myself out of that and not use my brain in that way to use it in a creative way Yeah. and social scenes just, I don't know. I think maybe it was something in me, like I was yeah. missing that, I was missing partying, I was missing being with friends and 
just like having that good time and those nights out I was missing because we were starved of it, I think. Yeah. And I think people related to that. And that's why I've just done so many of them. Because yeah. a lot of the commissions have been or like, you know, in a bar um, or when I was here in Ibiza or da 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 da. Like, mm. it's been a request. And I think people are living through it a little bit. <laughs> that's interesting, though, that, that, that whole idea of people escaping through it. Because when I think of when I think of like kind of a lot of mainstream art or art, you, you art the general public would buy from like a supermarket or somewhere like that, you get a lot of vistas and kind of open scenes and things which they'll not be able to experience. Mm-hmm. And then for people to turn around and go, "No, I need rooms of people on my <laughs> wall," <laughs> it's quite shocking in a way. Especially when they ask them to be naked. Like yeah. that's another edition. <laughs> Like, I think one of my favorite ones, I did a naked wine tasting and a naked disco. And I was just like, wow, where does, why why do you want that? But fine. Like, I love it. I love the idea. I'm here for it. But it is a surprise what people end up going for. Yeah. And the combinations they make. But I, the thing that I like about doing these pieces is that I will always, I tend to always draw something that I want to be in. So I'm like, when I draw it, I'm like, I want to be here. Like, I'm yearning I, I'm for the here. naked wine tasting. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, like, I drew it and I was like, I would go. Like, this is great. This looks yeah. great. And, and I take that from, it's something my granddad said to me like a long, long time ago. He was an art teacher. Okay. Um, and I, I did art GCSE and I brought home my sketchbook to him once and like showed him this. Um, like still life tomato I'd drawn in pastel I think it was Mm. he was like well technically you know it does look like a tomato but this doesn't look very appealing like it's a bit pale and I was like well that was the color of the the tomato and he was like maybe next time just like pick a slightly riper tomato so when I look at this thing I want to eat it or and like incredibly interesting I think that stuck with me a little bit so like when I create stuff I like I want it to be attractive. I want to be there. Yeah. I want it to like give the vibe that you want to be a part of it somehow. That's, that's really interesting. I think I, I don't know if that's an older generation thing. So um, me and my dad differ completely on our artistic tastes. He has an appreciation for technique. He's, he's not an artist um, kind of in his day to day or anything like that, but he is the person who inspired me to do art because he's very good at it. He does pastels and does kind of landscapes and stuff like that. And I would draw or create whatever I want to draw and create. And he said, kind of sit there and say, if it's not very aesthetic, is it, (laughs) you know, it's not very, it's not something you'd want to hang in your living room and look at. And I was like, well, that's, that's essentially the point. You know, I I don't want to draw things which are, are nice. I want to draw things which are ugly because I see them as nice. Yeah. And I feel like that's a whole thing of kind of like a generation above us who look at artwork and go, no, it needs, it needs to be inviting. It needs to be warm mm. loving, and that kind, kind of caring thing. And then there was that push against that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that. that's incredible. Do you find, I mean, so you see from a psychological psychology background mm. and now you're doing studies of people. Mm-hmm. Do you find that all of that kind of nicely melds together or? I don't know. I think, my study of people is, I think it's quite specific. Mm-hmm. I think I've, I mean, I mean, I've only been doing this since June, so it's really not been long, 
but the patterns and like the thought processes I'm noticing are just about creating like an element of like tension or something unspoken in mm. in my pieces um for people to interpret how they like um I like I mean a lot of them I, I it, for me it comes to eye contact and where people are looking mm-hmm. um and I think the majority of the pieces I have most people looking at you so when you're viewing the piece yeah be quite a few eyes on you and I don't know why I did that to start with but then I actually just think it change it completely changes the vibe of the drawing and and human dynamic I don't I haven't put my finger on why but it just changes it if I suddenly put a few eyes looking at you yeah you sort of then become involved it's almost like you've stepped into a room full of people yeah and two or three people in the room are looking at you as you kind of look at the painting or the picture and you go hmm yeah I guess I am already in this scene (laughs) <laughs> exactly. I didn't realize I was a naked wine tasting, but here I am. <laughs> Feel overdressed. <laughs> I like as well that whilst you were saying all of that, I've just got you painting behind you, staring at me. I know. It's, <laughs> it's intense one, isn't it? Escape. It's the eyes follow you because they're looking directly at me. <laughs> what do you see in that painting, by the way? What do you see? I see two people. Yeah. Kind of, I mean, I'd say they're, they're staring at one another or kissing because mm. they're that close because the lips join together. Um, yeah. But yeah, I definitely see two people, but I could see how people could see it as one person as well. Yeah. A lot of people said that. Yeah. It's like but, the vase painting. Mm, yes. Faces. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because I can't ever see it as two, as one person. I right. always see it as two people very close together. Like I don't see the one person, but I actually think the majority of like people who've seen it have initially said oh it's one face yeah blows my mind because i just can't get i can't get there but yeah i guess i I don't know i think maybe because it's not to get off track but essentially because you because you've got the two eyes and they are the same i'm going to say the same color i am colorblind so if they're not bear with me (laughs) (laughs) but as, as as people we tend to look for faces so you automatically see two eyes and you go that's a face that doesn't matter what I, what the rest of the picture looks like. That's a face. Whereas I looked at the lips and was like, hmm, Hang on. clearly a gap here. <laughs> and there's different hair, so it's clearly there. Um, so I gave you an option to pick a topic yes. to discuss. Did you have a think? You said you had several. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had I, I thought of topics. Like maybe just like a question. Okay. <laughs> um, to to ponder um because and this could be a very quick conversation because most people i ask this question to Mm -hmm. can't answer it okay Um, (laughs) and and i'm i'm continuously on a search to find someone who can answer it because i can yeah has set in on the yelling and concrete podcast (laughs) (laughs) um So yeah, shall I go? Shall I go? With yeah, that let's go with let's let's see where 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 your mind went when I said you could choose anything. <laughs> <laughs> and like, don't worry if you can't answer it because I'll just give you my answer and like my thinking behind it. Like, no pressure. I mean, I don't. I mean, I do. What do I do? I do thirty minutes solo podcasts where I literally just post myself a question and then ramble. So I think we'll get somewhere. Whether we want it to be what we want it to be <laughs> is completely. That's why I like this because it is okay. it's a bit of a risk. Um, could be anything 
So my question is, can you remember the moment in your life that you realized you were alive, like a living, breathing human that's finite? Like, can you remember that at all or ever had thoughts about it? I'm, th- I'm talking like in childhood. Okay. So kind of when I recognized I existed. Yes. Sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. That is interesting. So my my memories of youth are quite slim. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know why that is. But I have large gaps from being very little. I think my earliest memory is me on a, it would have been like a, a big white sheet with an absolute mountain of Lego in front of me. Because mm-hmm. uh, what we used to do, we used to get the sets. And then you obviously you assemble the sets, but then you run out of space for the sets. So you just dismantle them and put them in two big stacking stars. And then every so often on a rainy day, we tip it out onto this big sheet and reassemble everything. And that's, that's like my earliest memory. But post that memory, <laughs> there's a big old gap. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I could probably figure it out. Figure it does out take some thinking. I think it requires some digging. Um, and I, I think mean, the reason I remember mine is because it, it never left me. It became like an obsession. Okay. So like from, from that moment, I was pe- painfully aware that you were alive. That I was alive. <laughs> <laughs> but like, to, to, till today. Yeah. <laughs> like, just a, in, <laughs> you should have such, such a picture of you just waking up in bed and like, ah, oh, damn. <laughs> I'm I still alive, you- guys. <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you the story. I think I was about okay. six, five or six yep. years old. And I was living, so my parents were split. I was living, my dad was my main parent then. And uh, we were walking, I mean, the details are hazy, but I remember the realization like very clearly. Um, but I was holding his hand walking along the street and my tooth came loose. And like, I was like wobbling my tooth and I was like, oh, it feels really weird. And it came out. And I remember just looking at my tooth going, oh my God, I'm a, I'm a living thing and things change in my body. And it just blew my little mind. And I was like, oh, I'm alive. And like, I, did, I spent a lot of time looking at myself in the mirror, just being like, you know, just figuring out that I, like, I felt pain and things yeah. changed and my teeth would fall out and I'd grow a new tooth. And, and I... I became so obsessed with it um, and couldn't believe it. it. It just could not get my head around how I was a living thing. Um, and just silently went through that. Like I didn't ask my dad, like <laughs> I just went through it and thought, fuck a girl. That's, that's, that's interesting that you had that so early on. Yeah. What that makes me think of is when you reach kind of my age now, I don't actually know how old you are. So. I'm 30. You're 30. Oh, so we're, we're about a year apart. I'm 31. Um, so when you reach a kind of our age and then you reach towards the end of your 30s, obviously your body starts to change, like I'm developing wrinkles, I'm probably going to get a gray beard at some point. That's when you really suddenly realize that you're mortal mm. for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, I was much younger. <laughs> Whereas you, you were much younger. But then, see, my, my problem, what, what's coincidental, such interesting about this. So I was reading a book this morning 
which is one of my favorite books, uh, which is Nausea by Jean-Paul Sartre, mm-hmm. which is obviously, I don't know if you read it, but oh. it's essentially it's just a fictional fictional tale about a historical writer in France, and he starts to have an existential crisis. Okay, I, can, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. I read it when I was in uni, um, and when I was discovering the whole idea of, about existentialism, mm-hmm. and for me, it wasn't kind of discovering it like, oh, this is brand new, and this is this makes me think about my life. It was just, oh, here's that word for that thing you've been feeling for your entire life, and now you actually have a text which tells you that's an idea. Yeah. But it raises that question of, did you know you exist, or did you feel like you existed with a purpose oh <laughs> <laughs> because though to me those are very different things but not to everybody i know not to everybody there so i relate i mean i think so that thought as a six-year-old led me into very early existential dread mm-hmm. um it didn't form until i was probably about 14 okay. um so i was really curious about like life and death as a child i think about it a lot um, but it didn't turn into dread and fear until the hormones started kicking in and like self-preservation yep. started kicking in, um, which is typically is around actually 14 years old, teenage years is really common. Now I now know that having studied it and tried yep. to understand it better. Um, but I never really thought about it as like existing with a purpose. It's, um, it's always all been just a bit meaningless for me. <laughs> And I think that's probably why it was so challenging to think about at a young age, just wide-eyed, wandering around, wondering why I'm here, how I'm here, how I work, how, why is my tooth falling out? How am I living thing? Yeah. Yeah. And it all just, I think it all just sort of piled up from an early age and then it like exploded as a teenager and it was awful. And I just lived in a permanent state of, fear and panic like I couldn't couldn't get out of it so I was actually diagnosed with panic disorder when I was about 15 because of it (laughs) um so it really overtook everything yeah big time big time it was it was dreadful I've recovered now um which is why I could talk about it um that's progress and healing (laughs) yeah, yeah it can it can turn pretty nasty and I think um I would have been interested if, you know, to see a sliding doors, if I had maybe asked questions about it as a kid, or if I had had more conversations about it with an adult, maybe things would have worked out differently. I don't know. Do you um, think, I mean, I, I guess that's a, that's a bigger question. Well, not a bigger question, because these are huge questions. We've not jumped, jumped in light. <laughs> I told you, I can, this can happen. I think it's that whole idea of whether you can have these conversations with children. Because, I mean, for you, obviously, at the age of six, going through an idea like that, you needed those conversations. Those are conversations yeah. you should be having. But if you have this talk with someone who's not going through that, you essentially are waking them up to the idea. Yeah. It's a risk. I so relate to that because I've always been so worried about talking about it with people because I'm scared I'm going to, like, pass mm. on my thinking um and so I didn't talk about it for a really long time um I thought oh I I must be the only one who thinks like this you know I'm I think too hard I can't handle it maybe other people can just handle it because I think I just my teenage years I was like why isn't everyone just screaming in fear (laughs) like why is it only me um yeah 
And so I just didn't, and I didn't want to mention it because I was like, oh God, like what if I give them panic attacks because I make them realize that their life is finite. Um, <laughs> which is so stupid in hindsight. So I have, I have quite a quick question then. So as a teenager, yeah. were you, what kind of music were you into? What kind of music was I into as a teenager? Yeah. I'm trapping, tracking something out of in my head, trying to answer your question. And I'm, I'm now seeing a lot of kind of similarities, but also non-similarities between us. And I'm like, hmm, I'm, I'm curious more about your personality now as a, like a teen. As a teen? Fuck, I don't know if I can answer that because I, my teenage years were so clouded mm-hmm. by that disorder and by that thought process. I can't really tell you like who I was. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I was on the outside, probably very stereotypical, like teenage girl, like well presented, like went out a lot, did everything a normal teenager would do, but it's almost like I was just in survival mode and doing what I thought I should do at that age, as opposed to really finding myself and being who I, I now know I am. Um, so I can't, I don't think I can sum that up. I mean, the music I listened to. Um, was a lot of R&B and like punk rock and like Green Day. <laughs> um, it was a Rick McFly. That's a clashing mix. <laughs> I still am like that. I'm still like that. My music is wildly varied. Um, I, I appreciate and love a lot of genres. That's interesting. No, so, so essentially, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you where my thought process went with yeah, this. I'm interested. So... I, I, I don't necessarily think there was a particular moment when I knew I was mortal, mm-hmm. but I know when I was very young, I had grandparents die, uh, great grandparents. And this whole idea of that we aren't here forever was quite prevalent in me very early on. Mm. And it actually became a bit of a fear. Yeah. Like I could die at any moment kind of thing. Um, so like you, I became idea. I, associated the idea of death and the idea of exploring what that could be and and that kind of thing but i got very comfortable with it very quickly not through conversations i was having with adults but because i realized i could use my knowledge and comfort with death to survive against people who were afraid of it that's so interesting can you give me like an example of how that would play out like so essentially i'll I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a story a little bit of a story so in year seven when i started senior school for americans that's high school i think um but uh, so i started year year seven and the first art project they gave us was to create a invite for a birthday they were like you know bit of graphic design kind of thing Mm -hmm. and but they didn't say birthday specifically they just said an event so I created invites for funerals okay. because I was an angsty teen. <laughs> and the reaction I got from the entire class was completely different to what I'd had from them before, from anything else I'd done up to that point. It would have been, you know, pastels and everything my dad had been doing. Um, and I found I could draw birds quite well. And it was, it was all those kinds of things. And then I was like, hang on a minute. Whenever I touch on this subject, the people who looked down on me and bullied me were a little bit unnerved. And I'm like, oh, well, I can create a distance between myself and everyone else by using the subject that they don't want to discuss to create that distance, which is how I kind of got into like metal music and bits and bobs like that, because they all tackle the subjects which nobody talks about. Yeah. And I, I absolutely just took hold of it and went, yeah, you know, we're going to be completely comfortable with this idea. 
and that's how we're going to get the message to people. Do you know what? I feel like we took, we, we both had this information and we went very different ways. Yeah. You like properly lent into it and I completely avoided it mm-hmm. as much as I could because it became an unhealthy obsession that was like affecting my ability to function. <laughs> I would like avoid the topic entirely. Yeah. Um, and do you know, if I went to school with you, I probably would have like avoided you completely. Yeah. It's, it's, it was one of my safety behaviors. Like now I know that's what they're called is like, I, it's when you avoid situations that make you feel like you're going to think about it or mm. have a panic attack or whatever. Yeah. And so it would just be me like protecting myself from thinking about it because then that might cause a panic attack and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's yeah. really interesting to see just like how it can really just. Just absolutely bounce on the other way. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I completely accept that as a teenager, I use that stuff to distance myself. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, it's one of those things of that's what alternative teenagers are doing, whether they realize it or not. It, it may not be just a phase. It's just one of those things of, yeah, you pick it up. But it, what's interesting, you kind of saying with being a standard teenage girl mm. or what I would have known as a standard teenage girl because we're very close age within the early 2000s or whatever it would have been i can completely just pick people from my class in my head and i'm like yeah i could appreciate they're probably going through something very similar that you went through because Mm -hmm. they would avoid me like the plague yeah you just wouldn't have known you would you would not have known what i was living through like i i was literally just trying to survive like and just get through that i didn't have i didn't really have like the teenage problems that like typical teenagers have um which all very like natural to go through because this was just like a huge massive cloud that you can't see anything else everything else comes like you don't even notice it happening um i yeah so it's weird like when i look back on it it's actually really quite strange yeah well i think i think it's kind of one of the strange things as well though because i i I tend to look back on kind of the people who i disliked at school Mm. and think and now more I think about it, the more I kind of look to it and go, right, obviously they didn't understand me and I didn't understand them. And we were forced into a situation where we had to communicate with one another. So of course they reacted like that, you know, like the same with yourself, you know, I, there's no way in, I would have ever been able to get through that concept of what you were going through because yeah. I found such comfort in it. You know, yeah. I found it as, as a tool I could use, but it's to you something dominating, dominating your life. Yeah. Um, and it's the same kind of when you think of like bullies and bits and bobs like that, I think. And I'm like, yeah, I have no idea what their home lives were like. It was like a slice of life. They could have been going through much worse than I was going through. But we don't have that level of perception at that age. Like, no. it's not, we're not there yet when you're still just trying to figure out your own stuff and like protecting yourself and mm. figuring that out. It's, it's so hard to perceive other people properly. I think that's true now, even though when people meet people my age, you know, I, I I do encounter people who are not comfortable with the ideas which are out there, and I always find that kind of kind of scary that no one's realised up to that point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I know if you get this. That must be bliss. <laughs> Would it be though? Something I don't like know. This is another debate I have with myself and other people: is would I? would I prefer to have gone through my life so far not being painfully aware and just like that whole ignorance is bliss thing? Would I prefer that? I mean, yes, in a way, because I've been through awful shit (laughs) because of it. 
but also I'm, I'm actually really happy with who I am now. Yeah. Um, and that has taken a long time to like see myself and respond to what I need instead mm-hmm. of just doing what I think is right and normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, so, yeah. you could have had it happen at the start of this year when everything went wrong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel, I I don't know. I mean, obviously this, this podcast we're recording in 2020. So we're still, I mean, I'm still locked down. You're in London. So you're in a different tier to me. We're about to go into tier three. I'm pretty sure on Wednesday. Uh, We're still in tier three. Never came out. (laughs) I'm sorry. We're in lockdown light as I'm calling it. (laughs) Diet Pepsi of lockdown. It's the same, (laughs) same great flavor, but uh, (laughs) not quite as good. Um, but for 2021, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question to have, I think, it's especially for people who have gone through this year because obviously we've had such a dramatic turn of events and mortality rate has been through the roof. For a lot of people, they will go through exactly what we went through as teenagers. Yeah. And there'll be a lot of kids who are suddenly going through what we went through as kids. Yeah. That's, that's a scary prospect, that is. It is. It is scary. Um, and... It's scary because it can take, uh, I don't know how it would like play out as an adult, but it can take a really long time to get to grips with it. Like it took, and I still am to this day. And I have like a toolkit of things that I use to try and deal with it. And, you know, I've had CBT and blah, blah, blah. Like you, you do build up a toolkit over the years, but as an adult, how resilient and how able are you to pull those resources together and, and tackle it and deal with it properly. I don't know. I mean, within your, your artwork, um, I mean, obviously, as we said, you do quite a lot of social settings and, and things like that. Do you think you'd start to tackle that more as a subject? Or do you think you already do? I don't, I don't think I do. Um, I don't think I would ever tackle it in no? my art. No. Because... Whilst I don't react to it how I used to, I still very much need to manage my, like how I think about it and my exposure to it. Okay. It's like, um, what's it like? Let's think of another disorder. It's not an addiction. It's a compulsion. Okay. So it's like, if I think about it too much, it becomes, it like manifests in, in a very compulsive way. Mm-hmm. And so I just have to be really careful. So I think by bringing it into my art, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't see it. <laughs> I, don't see it. I don't know. I feel like I'd never say never with art when it kind of comes to subjects. I mean, you know, there's, there's things where, because I use, I use my art as catharsis, as I always have done. So mm-hmm. it's very much a thing of if there's something which is bothering me, I'm likely to make artwork about that thing which is bothering me. Oh, really? Okay. I can see how that's cathartic. And that's kind of the, the push. Like, I mean, I have a full-time job and I do my art stuff. So it's, it's very much along the lines of this is how I get out all the things which are bothering me. So I function as a human being. You know, okay. That's my coping mechanism. That's, that's, nice. that's always yeah. been the coping mechanism. So when I create art and then I show it to people and they say, I completely get this. I understand this and I can relate to it. I'm thinking, fantastic. I basically helped them with the one thing I couldn't get help for because they saw something which they related to. I really like that. That's, 
I, I can see it being used. It's like a tool to really communicate things that are harder to say. Yeah. And I have dabbled with that before. So I did, I went through a period of just like drawing what was in my head when I was having a panic attack yeah. um, and showing that to my therapist. And she said to me that it helped to like visualize that moment of when I'm panicking and, mm-hmm. and it becomes a tool. And I think that must be so great when you create something and other people find something in that. There must be like a level of solace in that. Cause I don't know about you, but sometimes with, like with this in particular, I went, I went through just feeling like no one else thinks this, which is obviously yeah. ridiculous because of course people think about this. We're all humans like on the same slide. Um, yeah. So I, I like that idea of that. I, I find that appealing but I still don't know if I'm, if I'm there yet. Yeah. I think I don't, I mean, to say you, you, you feel like you maybe avoid it in your work. Mm-hmm. I think that naturally your work will always have some level of it. Like we were saying with people finding comfort in scenes with people, you yeah. know, that's, that's us recognizing our isolation recognizing what we actually want and need. Mm-hmm. So it reminds you that there's people out there, and, you know, it's not just something in your in your room. So I think you found a, a, a way of including it, even if you don't think you have, kind of thing. <laughs> even though it's not on the nose, you know. Yeah, I do see that actually. It's not like, everyone's skull faced, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, crucially, everyone is alive yes. um, in my work. But I see what you're saying. I I do not reject that. <laughs> no. <laughs> but no, I I, I think. As, as artists, there's a responsibility for us to kind of do that and, and, and evolve as we go along. I always worry about my work kind of becoming stilted um, because I, I cover a lot of the same topics, but I'm covering in different ways each time. Um, so I worry as, oh, you know, you don't want to become typecast as the guy who does this or the, the person who does this. So I'm constantly trying to push myself to go, oh, hey, we should, we should, we should tackle something which we've not tackled before. That's uh, great. I think that curiosity is probably what can help sustain mm-hmm. being an artist. I think um, I'm, I'm very comfortable in my style at the minute. I'm very, but I am very open. I mean, as I said, I've only been doing this style since June. Um, it's still, I think relatively new for me. So I'm just settling in, but I know, like I know that it will need to progress and I will just adapt as, and when that comes. I'm not going to, oh, I've just had a notification saying London's moving into tier three. <laughs> oh, fuck. Welcome to tier three. Oh, fuck. It's happening on Wednesday. Oh, well, you still got two days to do. I mean, what, what can't you do in tier three? We can't go to pubs and restaurants. No, it? I'm a little upset. I'm a bit upset because I was going to go and see It's a Wonderful Life in the cinema on Friday. Oh, yeah, you, you won't be able to. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw it flash up on my phone and I was like, This is the most traumatic moment that's ever happened on the podcast. (laughs) Oh, no. I forgot what I was saying because that's just fully distracted me now. That's our reality, isn't it? Yeah, we're in and out as we we go. Um, I mean, it could be worse. You could be in in tier three and then uh, almost going into tier four. Yeah, Yeah, I don't even know what tier four is. Tier four is basically lockdown. Right. It's oh. everything's closed. Right. Again. Um, I mean, because Lincolnshire, where I am, um, 
is is very much we're in tier three, but our rate is still going up. Oh dear. Somehow. And we're just like, oh, thanks. I guess we're just never coming out of tier three. It's it's claustrophobic. It's yeah. very scary to think about that. It's, it's uh, I think that's this is a I mean to get to get back to the point of kind of mortality and looking at other people and and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I think what 2020 showed us was we had this idea of what our society was and how easily that is deconstructed. Mm-hmm. And then when you've been in lockdown, you're like, oh well, what were those things which I missed? What were those things which I actually cared about not being able to do? And for some people, that was McDonald's, and that's kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> for other people, it was family um, and things like that. And when, when you kind of you when you're in like a tier system, you essentially get sat and go, okay, cool. So we're still locked down, but I can see everybody else who's not locked down, who are just going about their lives. And you're like, oh, that's. Sad. that's but yeah, I haven't really made any work about lockdown yet. Maybe I should do that. I mean, there's still time, I'm sure. <laughs> Unfortunately. Still time. Don't worry. <laughs> I haven't either. I mean, it kind of is, but indirectly, because it's yeah. about creating things that you want to be in, that you can't be in right now. So um, your, your work actually reminds me of a couple of things. So it reminds me of um, Edward Hopper's paintings. Okay where it was kind of standalone people in spaces. Because even though you have all these people around, they're so transfixed because of your art style. They're, they're such a bold little like icon within themselves. So even though there's a room full of people, I see them as fairly empty at times, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, some people won't appreciate, like get that. They'll see a room full of people. Whereas I look at them like, oh, I'd be very alone in that room. <laughs> <laughs> but also it reminds me of graffiti. Yes. And yeah. kind of street art. I love street art. This this is like mm. that style. Um, I love street art. I'm obsessed with it. Um, you ever tried it? No, I haven't. And you've just reminded me that I lost a bid on a piece that I'm really annoyed <laughs> about. There's this artist I love. He's called Hunto. Okay. And he does amazing like murals in London. Yeah. And um, I did, he did a charity auction on one of his pieces and I lost it at the last minute. And I'm really uh. Um, but yeah, I love street art. I'm obsessed with it. Um, I worked in Soho for quite a while and there's a lot around there. Soho and Shoreditch in London. I just love coming across it, but yeah. never tried it. I do really want to. I just, I mean, A, I don't have a canvas to <laughs> try. I need a blank wall somewhere. Yeah. You kind of, you have to do that. That's the thing which you kind of have to do the, like the recon mission to, mm. to find out what you, cause I've, I've, I've debated it, but I don't know why I do. I think we just need a space to give it a go in. That's what yeah. I'm after. I'd love just to like somewhere that it's like not actually going to be for public just yet, just somewhere to go and practice and give it a go. I'd love to do that. I mean, you could just, I, I saw a thing a while back, which was kind of people were chaining their canvases to fences. Oh, and really? I love that idea of just, you take a canvas and you find like a, like a wire fence or something like that. And you yeah. just zip tie it or chain it to the fence and then you leave it. Oh, I like that. And you go, that's there, that's there. And obviously you accept that it's going to be destroyed at some point. But you kind of go, hmm, yeah, I could just waste this and just throw it out there. Oh, I like that. I really, 
I mean, I would be so nervous. To, I, I don't know how to use like a spray can. I'd have to go and like, I don't think I'd have to go and get lessons or like ask someone to teach me. But you, and, you use paint markers. Yeah, paint markers, I guess. Because graffiti artists use a lot of paint markers, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I feel like I'd need to like spray it. I think that's the experience I'm after. Okay. Because I haven't had that yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand spray. It's, so cool. it's amazing. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. I'd love to do it. I put spray painting art on the same level as oil painting. Oh, really? Uh, I just cannot understand what you've done. <laughs> yeah. And I don't have the patience to learn what you have done therefore i'm going to stick with acrylics which dry very quickly (laughs) yeah fair enough and i don't know how to blend them so we'll just deal with that as we go (laughs) it's it does blow my mind a bit i'm with you there yeah i'm with you but i guess it's the kind it's like anything like you just if you give it a bit of time then maybe you'll be good at it maybe but we'll never know because i'm never going to give it that time of day (laughs) i think it would require a lot i think it really would I'd love to see someone try and do an oil painting as street art. Just like every day they add to it a little bit. <laughs> just like, just like, oh, I'm just it, it'll never dry. So it's just like... Hmm. It'll be pure chaos. Yeah. And eventually someone's just going to come along and push their hand through the entire thing. and oh, That'll probably make it better. Maybe. Maybe that's the idea. You, you put down an oil painting and wait for someone to put their hand in it. A bit of participation from people. There you go. I don't hate the idea. No? I mean, it works. Maybe that's what I should do with a canvas. Cover a canvas in oil paint. (laughs) Push it. That's all I really want from art, really. I just want to troll other people. This is a great realisation. Yeah. It only took me 30 years. (laughs) I think good things come, don't they, when when you wait for them. And sometimes that's just age and growing up and evolving and figuring out what you like i think that's probably a hidden theme of this whole conversation yeah progression i mean unlike that topic i guess the 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 final question then should be what what is your view of 2021 my view yeah can you see it out or are you you thinking it'll just be a year of, of continuing what you're doing or do you want to scale that up I I actually just don't know and I'm trying not to have too much too many expectations. I think um the way that I've got through this year is to just be quite adaptive and just respond <laughs> to what's happening at that time. Yeah. I don't I don't want to visualize my year too much next year. I don't know why. I think um I think I'm hopeful it will be better than this year. It has it has to be better than this year in terms of pandemic wise yeah. uh, and hopefully coming out the other side in some way um but how i exist within that year i don't know yet we'll, we'll have to wait and see I, i'm i would just want to be open so i can respond accordingly mm-hmm. you know i'd love to scale up in some way i'd love to start selling like just i'd love to start just creating stuff and selling that as opposed to doing commissions and i have got plans to do that yeah but that just requires time and to stop taking on commissions. <laughs> it's so hard not to take on commissions. Yeah. If you get some rolling in, it's like, oh, hmm, maybe I could do yeah. this. I find it hard to say no because people have such good ideas and I'm like, oh, yeah, I can go on then. I need to stop doing that just for a little bit. Just a little bit. You got to leave that space around you yeah. to allow it to develop and yeah. grow. grow and, and I, think, I think that's a good attitude for 2021 though. 
is is trying to leave that open space. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, that's what made 2020 so hard was they had plans and then suddenly they were torn away from them. Um, yeah. What about you? What is your 20? Like, where was your mind when you were thinking about that question? <laughs> I mean, that's a good enough answer. Just, just air escaping with it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, my, my 20, see, the strange thing for me is that my 2020 hasn't been that weird. Mm-hmm, okay. Because my work adapted very quickly to working from home. Mm-hmm. So I've been working from home constantly. Done essentially never not going back um, when we were told we wouldn't need to go back until next year. So we were like, right, we're, we know we're settled in. My artwork, I've essentially dived in and gone, cool, we're going to do what we always do with artwork. We're going to react to the situation and create work, which is, is helping people deal with things. I started doing uh, daily streams uh, to escape lockdown and, that's generated a weird bit of interest of people just like yeah this is something we need i've been to a few of those just like a moment of calm just like they happen every day brilliant you're in tier three now so you you're fully you can come come every single day um (laughs) but it's been interesting to see because that that i do that on reddit as well as instagram and and twitch and whatnot it's been interesting to see kind of like the wider world react to those things and the things which i do so when i think about 2021 i'm I'm not actually planned in terms of how I want to approach it, but at the same time, I want it to be less reactionary. Mm, Okay. Because this year has been reactionary in the sense of I've provided a service when I felt a service was needed. I've created work, which was helping me and other people deal with things. But for 2021, I need to get back on the point of pushing my own idea. Yeah. Okay. You know, in less of a bandage year, more of a no. This is this is actually how we do things, which is what art essentially is. When you decide to make anything, you you're putting your idea into the world. Um, so with that, I'm kind of like, hmm, maybe we do need to take the gloves off a little bit again in terms of how people respond to my art. <laughs> Interesting. But yeah, I, I think I'm looking for more criticism in 2021. Really? Yeah. Well, so different. <laughs> I have that sycophantic thing of liking to be slightly underdogish. Okay. So uh, I can see that. When it, when I put work in, out into the world and it receives nothing but kind of positive feedback, which is what this year's had because people were looking for something for positive feedback kind of yeah. thing. It's nice, but I, I struggle to feel proud of myself. Whereas when I put something out and someone reacts to it negatively, in my head, I'm like, fantastic i've basically pushed a button right there and i need to push more buttons (laughs) that makes me think do you hate the echo chamber do you sort of oh yeah yeah if i if i I hate hate feeling like i'm in an echo chamber yeah i understand that and i like disrupting other people's echo chambers yeah which is i mean as we kind of briefly discussed at the very beginning of the day like that whole i got a comment about the charity auction i was doing and how it wasn't correctly set up. Essentially, that broke my echo chamber because yeah. everyone else had gone, yeah, no, this is a really good idea. And I went, hmm, hang on a minute. They stepped in and disrupted my my thing. Well, I wonder if I can disrupt theirs by just going, yeah, all right, let's do it. Let's do it your way. Yeah, okay. We'll we'll change drastically, and we'll see if we can we can improve everything in one fell swoop. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely of the mindset of if I can disrupt your day, I will. Even though I want to make your day better. <laughs> 
I like I like this. I like this way of thinking to be a bit more of a disruptor and maybe make people feel a little bit uncomfortable, but yeah. make them question things a bit because like the echo chamber is real and the way so much stuff is set up in society just feeds into that echo chamber and keeps us there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what a great way to to disrupt it through art. I like that. I, I like that. Even if we relate it to your actual question of when is that moment when you realize you exist, mm. it's that moment someone breaks the echo chamber. Yeah. You know, as a child, it's, oh, wait, I'm not invincible. And one day my parents will pass on and I will be alone and mm-hmm. that, that will seep into you. And I think maybe as an artist, personally, I, I try to do it as, well, I meet adults every day who haven't realized this. And they need to, because if they don't, it'll affect them when they're in the 60s and 50s and everything will go. Yeah. Uh, so the earlier on I can get to them. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad shout. It's not a bad shout. And it does, it does worry me to think that there might be people, you know, in older age who haven't really thought about this too much until it's kind of really happening around them. And I find that really, I think that's almost more scary, actually. There's just blind faith people of just walking around going, yeah, I'm okay. Everything's okay. Yeah. Well, what's scary is like, if you have that realization late on, yeah, that is terrifying to me because you don't have much time to like come to peace with it. <laughs> the more, the more I think of it, the more I feel like every child should be told this. So yes. they have to deal with it in their teenage years. Yeah. <laughs> do that without absolutely freaking them out and sending them on a path that I went down because that is something I would want to avoid at all costs yeah and I think that's that's the that's the question to raise as we kind of round this out is is how do you introduce people to such a complex and scary idea without destroying their lives yeah gosh that's a big question (laughs) I don't think we have the answer for it (laughs) no way that needs research and trial and error I think Maybe that's a good movement for your art, though. I know you said you wouldn't you wouldn't tackle it in any yeah. in, in in trying to, but if if that's even if it's just kind of adjusting your your regular thing by the way you title it or mm-hmm. the subjects you draw, you can just give them that little soft little. Oh, hey, you might die one day, but don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> I can I can get on board with that. I can. Maybe I'll experiment with it. Maybe I'll have a little play around the with pieces that I create myself. I, I don't think I would do someone's commission and then <laughs> title it like the yeah. like, time is in for that. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that out. And then invoice them slightly quickly <laughs> after that. Yeah. Time is in for that. You're not. Also pay me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great point to round this out on, <laughs> as, as we did. Great chat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming along and, and getting involved in the podcast. Obviously, uh, people can check you out on your various social media platforms, which I'll, I'll put in the comments and your Sam Saint on, on those. Yeah, just at Sam Saint Art is just, I think it's, I'm only on Instagram and Facebook, um, but that's it. I keep thinking about abandoning Facebook. <laughs> It's every day. It's dull. I'm going to say it's a dull place to be. It is. Instagram's the place to be. 
is, and I'm starting to think TikTok. I know you're not a fan. I'm just, I'm avoiding it for, well, not for like personal reasons, but just scary reasons. It's a scary place to me, TikTok. Okay. Just it's because, more vulnerable, I think. Say again? I think it's a more, it can be quite a vulnerable place to be. Because it is. Control. A lot of people are like, I feel like maybe people are too open on TikTok than they should be. And as a person who's quite closed off, I'm like, hmm, that's, that's a lot of stuff to deal with. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Instagram's safe. You just see the artwork. You don't get to meet the person. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we'll, we'll round out. But thank you for coming, Sam. It's been lovely to speak to you. Uh, and we will talk to these guys later. 